Hey, you guys. Before we start the show, we just want to take time out to say that we are so thankful for all of our listeners. This episode marks a very special milestone for us. It's number 50. Yes, number 50. Number 50, 50th episode. We thank you for tuning in and listening to us, two cousins who love to talk about all things Janet Jackson. And from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you so much. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the Janet Jackson podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. My name is Courtney, and I'm here with my cousin, Cousin Cam, and we read it. Uh, uh, we ready. <laughs> we finally get to talk about this documentary. <laughs> the documentary. It's been killing me. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely murdering me. <laughs> I felt you saying, I'm dying inside. I was like, let's just do it, cuz. Just, just do it. Just, just come on, let it out. <laughs> Listen, part of it is your fault because I know that we don't normally talk Janet Jackson when we're not on the line together to record. And so during the airing on Lifetime, I sent you a text and you ignored me completely. And then the second <laughs> night I sent you a text and you like answered Sunday morning. And I was like, okay, I see how this is going to be. Because uh, you, <laughs> I know that's our rule, but you ain't have to do me like that. There's a reason why you didn't get a text until Sunday morning. It's because I actually watched part three and four, which is Saturday night at the casino buffet <laughs> on my phone. Yes. I'm so upset. Not at the buffet in a panty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad at myself right now. Anyway, today is February the 8th, and a lot has been happening in the world of Janet Jackson. Since the documentary, she's been on the talk show circuit. She was on Jimmy Fallon. She cleaned out yet another storage unit and sold some age tour paraphernalia on the real real. But we are not going to talk about those things right now because this show is fully dedicated to the documentary. Just like Janice said, she had a hard time fitting 50 plus years of life and career into a four hour documentary. We know we will not be able to cover everything. We have already been invited to talk about the Janet Jackson documentary with the MJ cast later in February. So if we don't talk about it here, we'll talk about it there. And if we miss it here and you really want us to talk about it there, send us a DM or leave us a comment like you always do, and we will do our very best. So I guess we should just jump into it. So We ain't got nothing else to do but to jump into it because there's so much to get into. <laughs> exactly. There's so much to talk about. We want to talk about our most surprising moments. We want to talk about our favorite moments. We want to talk about some of the reviews, the re ratings. And I want to do my full disclaimer. My full disclaimer is... I will have some critique, but overall, I, it gets an A plus for me. Like it gets an A plus. So even with what I'm about to say, some of the things that maybe I felt like were misses or opportunities that we didn't take full advantage of. So what? Just know that I'm telling you right now, A plus. Okay. And I'm just, since we're giving out grades, I'm gonna go with the A. That's, so. that's probably more fair. I'm gonna give it a plus though. The plus is because y'all, I ain't think this was ever gonna happen. <laughs> So you gave her extra points for coming through. Extra, extra, extra points for just doing what she said she would. So 
All right. So on January 28th and 29th, all of America, it seems, <laughs> gathered. <laughs> we met on Lifetime and A&E Network uh, for the Janet Jackson documentary. And I should say Janet Jackson, period, documentary. <laughs> Why the period? <laughs> because it has a period on, <laughs> on, on the documentary. Her name has a period, which was hilarious to me because the whole time when they kept talking about the Janet Jackson documentary, I was like, when are they going to tell us the title? It's the Janet Jackson documentary. Right. <laughs> Literally just called Janet Jackson. That's it. That's all the only thing you need to know is Janet Jackson is about Janet Jackson. It's gonna be two nights. You might want to tune in. I don't, yeah, I'm not I mad. Feel, I feel like there was not enough information, but we still showed up. Right. And I want to give Lifetime and any uh, channels their props because this was smart. I'm gonna tell you why it's smart. Because Friday night, who wants to watch 2020 and all those other things on other networks? And two, Saturday night, there was no football. <laughs> so this was a great strategy for them. They smart. <laughs> they smart. And they ran it like they already has run into the ground. They played parts one and two Friday night, parts uh-huh. one and two again Saturday, and uh-huh. then parts three and four. Um, and already there, it, it, it aired most of the day Sunday, like it was like uh-huh. a marathon. Uh-huh. And uh, this upcoming Friday, they will be showing what they're calling an enhanced edition on Lifetime. So now I got to watch it again for the like four scenes that might be different. <laughs> this documentary has already racked up over 15 million views in the United States. Virgins have already debuted in the UK and set to debut in Australia. We also have a few countries in Africa that have announced premiere dates as well. So once again, the queen is reigning worldwide. They smart. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's not talk about how smart they are and let's just get into it. But before we talk about our favorite moments and our biggest surprises, we are going to attempt to do a two minute review. Cam, you up? Night one. Night one. Janet and Randy took us back to where it all started in Gary, Indiana. We saw the tiny two-bedroom house they grew up in and learned that Marlon and Michael used to pee on Randy in that <laughs> twin bed they shared. <laughs> we, were reminded of, <laughs> we were reminded about Tito and that good top stream, which led to the Jackson 5. She talked about the move to Encino, California, and the racism she received. We also saw Janet questioning where she fits in when it comes to her family. She shared stories about her time in Vegas and the Jackson Variety Show. We get more insight into Jackson's acting debut on Good Times. Joe discovers her recording tape and told Janet, you got to sing, baby. <laughs> Janet, the Joe turned his sights into making her a star. She describes the first two albums as she just sung whatever they wrote. She goes into her marriage with James DeBarge, expressed once again that she didn't want to do fame. She addresses the secret baby that she did not have. They gave Janet everybody's baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she talks about the change of Michael around the thriller era. She spoke about moving on for Joe. Then we hear from Jimmy, Terry, and Paula about helping her with her start with control. We jump into Rhythm Nation era. Renee was always with a camera in his hands. And because of that, we get to see more behind the scenes, like their marriage proposal and working on Rhythm Nation. 
Night two is on you. Night two picks up with the Renee era. We see them working together on the video again. In this episode, we get a really deep dive into her relationship with Renee, as well as into her relationship with Jermaine Dupri. We touch on the Super Bowl, and I mean barely touch, like bumping against the hot stove, kind of barely touch, and then we move on. We On this night, we get Janet and Michael working on screen, and we also get Janet sharing a little bit more about um, how Michael ostracized himself from the rest of the family, and she, we also got her sharing that their last moments together was at a party for their parents and she got to tell him that she loved him and he said the same to her we hear on this night from all of the celebrities that we saw in the trailers you know we get mariah carey we get missy elliott we get debbie allen we get all sharing their feelings about the music of that time or about janet jackson we also hear from wayne scott lucas and tina they also share uh, a little more about Renee and his struggles with drug addiction. There are short glimpses of Janet as mom. We don't really get to see the little one, uh, but we do get to see her truly light up when she's talking about motherhood. She states um, in this episode that, you know, motherhood is taking the priority and she is at a point where her career may take a back seat. Um, we also get to see some short snippets of Janet in the studio and then a snippet of an unreleased song, Love I Love. So what was your most surprising moment in this document? Man, I had so many surprising moments. Probably the thing that surprised me most uh -huh. was a lot of time given to, I'm calling it the rebrand of Joseph Jackson. Gotcha. And I don't have any feelings about it. Like uh -huh. it's her choice. She can absolutely do what she wants. It was just surprising to me. I did not expect us to spend that much time there. And it did feel like spending that much time there and then also spending that much time on some of the other men in her life. It did feel like it limited what we got to hear about Janet, like Janet's career, Janet's catalog, Janet's accomplishments, because I expected more of that. So I think what was most surprising was, was Joseph. And especially the opening. Well, I think the reason why she had to go through that is because she wanted to show why he was so determined to have the Jackson 5 make it. Because Gary, Indiana is a rough neighborhood. And Brandy made a good point. Like the kids that he grew up in in that neighborhood are in jail or dead. So he wanted them pretty much to have a better life. And so I, I, I feel that was a surprising moment. My surprising moment was Reby. Mm, yes. <laughs> Reby. Not only was she a surprising moment, she was my highlight. Reby was like the Christian commentary. Because when they <laughs> brought up the fact that, you know, the iconic Janet photo with Ro Rolling Stones photo, she was like, I did not like that picture. It was so <laughs> revealing. I'm like, Reby. <laughs> <laughs> she was like I clenched my bible I'm like okay <laughs> what did she say she said I am a student of the bible <laughs> of the bible <laughs> this wasn't Reedy's first time saying that either there's a clip probably from about 25 30 years ago of her saying the exact same thing with I didn't like it and she was talking about Janet's cover on Rolling Stone where Renee's hands uh -huh. are covering her bare breasts uh -huh. as well as she was also talking about Michael grabbing his crotch and uh, she just kept saying, I don't like it. I don't like it. And it was hilarious because she said it almost in the exact same way 30 years later. Like she ain't changed her mind since. No. She, don't, she did not like that. No, but, but you but know what? Reedy going to show up. 
This yes. is Reeby is one of my favorite Jacksons when I was a kid. I just thought Reeby was the best thing that had ever happened. And I love how she shows up for her sister. Like if you look at many photos of Janet Jackson's big moments, like in the corners, you're going to see Reeby Jackson. Um, she is going to be there. And not only is she going to be there, but she's going to be there acting like a fan. Like I've posted it on our Twitter page. Uh, one of my very favorite moments of hers was at the 2018 Billboard Music Awards where Janet got the Icon Award. Uh-huh. And Reeby is in the front row with right her there. cell phone out. Mm-hmm. recording and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I know you're aware this is being filmed yeah. uh, but... you can probably catch it on YouTube but yes. since I'm here oh, so, yes. Reby was fantastic my mm-hmm. favorite Reby moments was just like every time they would cut to her just particularly <laughs> so that she could say next thing I knew she was married <laughs> <laughs> look she said that like it happened yesterday like like she just really got married. <laughs> yes, yes. She and she kept saying it. And I was like, and I bet you if we had covered the third time, she'd have had to say it again. Because I'm sure. <laughs> I love Reby. Reby needs her own documentary. <laughs> she does. Do you know I would watch a Reby documentary every day? They could just give her a series on Netflix. But it has to be all the stuff she didn't like. Yeah, teach Reby how to really tweet and record. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> What's I your... don't have notifications on for anybody, but I would turn them on for Reby. <laughs> for Reby. Okay. So what was your favorite moment? Oh, man. So many. So many. I really enjoyed Norman Lear. He was so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he shared about Janet in her younger days as an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, that was another thing I really appreciated that it really took us through kind of like the beginning of Janet's career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how they talked about Vegas and then going on good times and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all of that. Norman Lear, you know, he talks about the audition when she uh, auditioned for him and the seriousness of the role. You know, she played an abused child. Um, but also this is a sitcom. So you have to be able to do like drama and comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, it, it required a serious performer and she was it. He was like, she delivered. And I was like, I think that's something that we overlook. Janet was a great actress as a child, a great television actress. Um, mm-hmm. She was good on A Good Time. She was excellent on Different Strokes. She was good on Fame. Mm-hmm. And the creepiest episode of The Love Boat, she was excellent on that. (laughs) (laughs) She played a scammer on The Love Boat. Um, (laughs) She was excellent. And so that was like, you know, I feel like in this documentary, there weren't very many times where we talked about craft, Mm -hmm. whether it was acting or musicianship. It felt like less than 10% of the documentary was devoted to that. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated Norman Lear kind of like centering the conversation. Like she wasn't just one good time. She was good. Mm-hmm. For me, what's my favorite moment? I have two. The first one, I kept rewinding it <laughs> when she mm-hmm. first said it. Mm-hmm. Mariah Carey. When Mariah Carey was talking about, of course, the Rolling Stone uh, cover, she was like, I wish I had that freedom. Like, like Mariah had to remind you, she was in captive. <laughs> she was in captivity <laughs> while Janet was flourishing and exploring her sexuality. So I was like, I was like, okay, Mariah. Yeah, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't really know what that was about. I was like, what was stopping you, Mariah? <laughs> I, forgot, I, I, I forgot about that period of her life. 
she likes to, she likes to remind you every now and then that like <laughs> she had to break free. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one of many favorite moments, but my favorite moment was the studio footage with Jimmy and Terry, yeah, especially yeah. especially Jimmy with that. And I had an uncle who had one of those curls that went all the way down like a mullet. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. I don't know what it was, but it very much, it was giving S curl. Mm-hmm. And they really were having this like, like she was just like throwing a tantrum. Like, I don't want to record it. And she was just like, ah. He was just giving her a little bite. Like, we got an album to do. Nobody I- was backing down. Right. And I think we got to see another side of the chemistry because it lets you know that when they got in the studio together, it really was, you know, them teaming up. And it's really like a brother and sister relationship. So I just thought that was funny. Yeah. That moment was a highlight for me. I have watched it so many times. You said you watched the Mariah Carey piece. (laughs) I watched when she turned those lights out in that booth. I have seen that 400 times. And never, never, not once has it not been funny. <laughs> like, because they were recording You Need Me, right? That's the yes. song they were recording. Yes, um, yes, which yes, yes. Ended up being the B side to what? Oh, Miss You Much. It was the yes. B side to mm-hmm. Miss You Much. And I, I found a lot in that moment. And that was one of those types of moments where I wish there would have been so much more. Like, I wanted half the documentary to be that. Mm-hmm. I, I have been saying this for a while. I really want to see the process, the mm-hmm. creative process in the recording studio, the writing, even behind the scenes of the videos. Like I know we do have some behind the scenes of some of the videos, but like when they showed that little snippet of control behind the scenes, mm-hmm. I almost cried. Like I want, that's what I want. I love that so much. And I was hoping for more of that. But that scene that you described when she was recording, you need me. It really got me to thinking because she was not feeling it. Right. Mm -hmm, She mm -hmm. came out of there. She wasn't feeling it. And I think that was probably a turning point. Like we don't know the sequence of, Mm -hmm. of these videos and, and, and and how they, how they the songs were recorded for rhythm nation, Mm -hmm. but it does appear that that was probably an earlier recording before she brought in like the songs that she was working on, on her own that she was writing. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very telling. Like she, she wasn't given a great performance because she didn't want to do that song. Right. But she didn't just say that. She could have just said that, but like she was just in there tanking. Um, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it was, you know, she really wanted to express herself more creatively. And when she came in with that notebook with the um, handwritten verses for Rhythm Nation, you could tell like both of their spirits were different. Right. Um, Jimmy Jam and, and Janet and it was because that's what she should have been doing right not control part two because you need me is, is a song about her father and maybe him not being her perspective at the time could have been that maybe he wasn't the best father and now the tables have turned and I don't need you you need me yes so I get it like she was ready to move on and and share a different perspective and so they just I feel like that fight that head-to-head was that's what they had to do to get to where they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you another favorite moment. This documentary made me realize how unappreciated Debbie Allen is. Who out here unappreciating Debbie Allen? Who? People, the younger generation don't realize what Debbie Allen. Don't put that on them. They know. 
they watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> nah, nah, you, you I will think of you think of you think a fifteen year old is watching Grey's Anatomy. You think a twenty year old. You see, yeah, yeah. You're, but I right. But <laughs> okay, let me rephrase it. It made me appreciate David Allen even more because David Allen with fame, she narrated that part of Janet's life to the T. Yes. I love Debbie Allen. You know, she is my first love and I have been terrified ever since that we found out Felicia Versailles is a villain that we are <laughs> going to find out something about Debbie Allen. I, she just has such a special place in my heart. Oh, yes. she, she, more than a triple threat, right? Like we know she can dance. We know she can sing. We know she can act, but she was writing. She was writing movies. She was directing. She, you know, she did Polly and you know, I'm never going to be over that. Um, well, I'm thankful for a different world because when she took over a different, different world, world, she changed the whole context. Of yes. Show. Yes. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and if we go back to how you mentioned fame, Debbie Allen really positioned Janet for a launch. Yes. In the few snippets we had, it sounded like she was basically saying she wasn't quite ready for it. But you could see that the talent was there. Right. She directed. Um, didn't she direct Dream Street? Yes. Yeah, and that that video was essentially the story of Cleo that they worked into into fame. So, and I also appreciated when they were having the discussion about this fictitious baby mm-hmm. that she had with James that apparently Reby raised, but Reby didn't even know she had a husband <laughs> or a baby. So, so, um, you know, when she said, you know, rumors was just flying everywhere. They was flying like hash in a diner. <laughs> like cash in a <laughs> I mean it really it cracked me up but also you could just see the passion and you can see that she still has that passion for Janet today I love the fact that we were able to see those behind the scene moments but there is a moment where Janet is getting ready for Hollywood walk mm-hmm. fun, and Renee is telling her like we're gonna be late we're running late mm-hmm. as a matter of fact part where she jumps out the chair and it's like that jump is like Shit, I'm clean <laughs> clean <laughs> and it's the whole rhythm nation outfit and you know how I feel about that outfit and I was like Ooh, that's Sunday best right there Jenny like shoot let y'all wait <laughs> I heard some people say like she wore that outfit everywhere and I she did for a while she was basically a cartoon <laughs> character just get up and put that same thing but you know what it was fly <laughs> Do, do. But yeah you mentioned you mentioned Renee and we have to thank him for so much footage yeah you know, I had a complicated viewing of this yes um, I very much appreciated that he recorded so much footage but it did feel like that he wasn't like in a relationship he was documenting a relationship mm. it, it just it felt like invasive even some of the footage, but even to say mm-hmm. that seems crazy because we wouldn't have had those moments. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had any of the most enjoyable moments. Like we wouldn't have had Janet and Michael working on screen together yes. and yeah. being able to see them do that in his apartment. We wouldn't have had that. Yeah. It was funny about that though. Let me just say this. Cause it was funny to me is the fact that she was like, all right, Mike, give me your lyrics. And Mike would just scream, I'm tired of injustice. He would just, and she was like, hold on, Mike, I'm trying like, to type. <laughs> one finger. I was like, ma'am. No, look, say it again. And Mike was like, I'm tired of injustice. And Jenna was like, I'm tired of injustice. Space, space. Like, Mike was riled up. And Jenna was like, hold up, this is a word processor, Mike. We, Did you have a brother laptop? Yeah. 
Like Janet was like, hold up. <laughs> Look, bro, you, you got a lot of energy. <laughs> Look. Yeah, and we would not have had that. So I love that there were just so many great moments. And I wanted more of that. I want- <laughs> you might be asking for too much, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I do feel like I might be asking for too much. Like, too, I had to really check myself because even though I'm saying all the things that I would have wanted to see, like, this is her story to tell. This isn't my story to tell. So I can't imagine if somebody like showed up and was telling me what I should be telling them about my life. Like, how up, partner? This ain't how we do that. Right. So I had to really check myself because all of these things that I wanted, I felt like I wanted access to this other person's life and they didn't give me access to this other person's life. And like my feelings are hurt and that don't even make sense. Like <laughs> that's absolutely a choice that she gets to make about what she reveals and what she keeps. Yeah. And you know what? I, just to kind of piggyback off of that, I think a good documentary always leaves you wanting more. And I feel like, this documentary did but that makes me wonder is there something else down the line that she's planning um for her to be so private like i mean janet told us about her and james debarge rolling on the floor fighting over over drugs mm-hmm. like who would have thought that you know i'm ready for that like i wasn't ready for that she had shared a little bit <laughs> of that insight previously not in not like detailed because the yeah. the the going to Grand Rapids and being ditched on your wedding night. That yeah. was a surprise. That's like, why I was like, how the hell are you leaving your wife? <laughs> listen, addiction is a real thing. Like, it is a real thing. And then how she had to slowly tell us about the situation with Renee and, and drugs. And I'm just like. You said slowly, because that's the truth. Lord have mercy. <laughs> well, she didn't just go out and say, hey. I had this- had enough by the time we finally got to the conclusion of that story. Well, the thing is, the way she did Renee with the drug thing and the fact that I think Tina also pointed this out, that Renee was like a cameraman. So he always <laughs> made Janet feel like she was on camera. Like even on vacation, Tina was like, man, can we stop? with mm-hmm. the film and can we mm-hmm. we want we have vacation but with your with Jermaine Janet was like that was I had rumors that he was messing around like she didn't even <laughs> she didn't give him the subtle thing she was like I heard he was cheating yeah <laughs> you know what but she still said I heard not like she knew and she knew yeah but she, was, she still was very gentle with it that was another thing that was interesting to me is one just again how much time was given to the men around her and I think that's that is a testimony to like who Janet really is like one I feel like she made a documentary because she felt like she should try to tell her story before anybody else tried to tell her story true but also I still feel like she did not want to do this at (laughs) all (laughs) so it was like a tug of war between like I feel like if if it's going to be done then I should do it but also I don't want to Uh, and so I think that's what you know, the outcome of what we have is kind of just that juxtaposition. But I felt like we spent a lot of time on the men. I I did find it really interesting, like in the beginning of each of the stories. So when we're talking about James, I felt like James portion was reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Renee's portion, I felt like was much too long because the punchline was, you know, 30 minutes into this story. And if we were going to spend that much time on that portion of her life, I would have liked to hear more about preparations for, you know, her first ever world tour or the follow-up tour to to that 
I was stunned, actually, not just interesting to me. I was stunned that she chose to focus much more on the personal than professional with that portion of her life, because like 89 to 98, I mean, come on. And we hardly heard anything about the music from those years, the accolades, the accomplishments. We didn't even talk about the youngest person to ever win the Video Vanguard Award. We didn't even talk about the time when she cleared the Billboard Awards where Magic Johnson was going to try to help her carry all her statues. And she was like, nah, I got them and walked out <laughs> with, you know, eight trophies in her arm. I, I wanted some of those things on the record, but I recognize that you're trying to talk about a 50 year career, 50 uh-huh. 50 lived years so not just like working years but like I also had a life yes and you're trying to condense them into four hours so I know what I'm saying to an extent is unreasonable (laughs) that you know all of the things that I thought should have been in there that it's just not possible to put them into four hours so let me get this straight you're really much saying you the, the way you're saying it is this you would have preferred more behind the scenes, more documentary on the process of making it than the fact that Renee was in her life for so long. And Yeah, I want to just clear it up. I, I don't, it wasn't that he was in her life for so long. It wasn't that at all, but I would have preferred a little more about her career because I feel like she, she could have conveyed everything she conveyed about the fact that they were deeply in love. She believed him to be unlike James. And so, you know, that was part of his appeal and he was charismatic and all of that. I feel like she could have told us that in three minutes. Exactly. Well, I think the reason why she, it comes off like that is because once Renee, and I think someone said that Renee was like an extension of Janet and you didn't want to cross Renee because- Renee said it. Yeah. So- (laughs) The fact is, I think she was trying to show how much control she let Renee have to where, you know, to me, it overshadowed the success of Rhythm Nation and Janet because she really couldn't enjoy it because she was pretty much being controlled. That's how I took it. And I think the reason, and I think that's why, like, her going back to Joe, the fact that, and she said that she did not have Joe in her life like Randy and the older siblings did. They got more of Joe. So I think a part of her getting into that first marriage because she just wanted to get away from it all. I think that was they was trying to make that whole connection to why her love life is not the best, but her music and her career was so spectacular and undeniably untouchable. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I might be overanalyzing it too, but I just what I feel. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like that's a fair analysis. And I do, like, I am not saying that she should not have done what she did because I think she had to tell the story the way she saw it. And I think her life from the, that time period, for us, we saw the success, we saw the accolades, we saw all of these things, but her on the inside living it was a very different experience. And so I do think it was important for her to tell the story however she wanted to see fit some of these things were just surprising to me and I think one documentary can't do everything that needs to be done you know what I'm saying it can't do everything because there were so many things that I thought would be in there that just were not in there like I thought we might see uh, more uh, with the twins in that moment at the NAACP awards image awards where she accepted the chairman's award I thought we might get some conversation about her advocacy for the various groups for, you know, 
before it was popular, before, you know, LGBTQ was on the lips of most celebrities, it, you know, mm -hmm. she made the extra effort to kind of build a circle and bring everybody together and bring everybody in, you know, and we know those things, but I don't know that the casual fan knows those things. And that brings me kind of to kind of like a, a, a question I had when I was watching and I'll ask you, like, who did you feel this was for? Like, who was the ideal audience for this documentary? Was it the fans, like diehards? Was it people who only know together again? I think you hit it right there. I think it was for the casual fans who have heard things about her and her way of saying, this is my truth. Because mm -hmm. there's no, for her to do a documentary to cover the diehard fans, we will be watching, we will have to do like they did with the uh, Jackson 5 American Dream. I think that was like, what, four, three or four days long. It would have to be that long to, to satisfy them. But if you are a, oh, this is on iTunes or whatever, casual fan, then you got the chance to really get to know Janet Jackson. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. I think, and I think that does make sense. You know, I guess my perspective is if it's for casual fans, there was a point for like less than 30 seconds where some of the accolades appeared on the screen, like five Grammys, you know, this many billboard awards, all of that appeared on the screen. And it was for like 30 seconds. And I think for casual fans who may not have that history, um, mm -hmm. it would have been nice to have that kind of hammered home a little bit because I think what was missing for me, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna ask you what was missing for you, but I think for me the biggest thing that was missing was if I only, if I only knew Janet Jackson from this and this was all I watched, I would have no idea if she was a good musician. <laughs> but doesn't no that, <laughs> but doesn't that play into Janet's hand of being very humble? Like Janet never checks anybody about what she's done. And I know the younger fans, because we've we've talked to them, they want Janet to be like, put the cards on the table playing spade, boom, here's this, boom, here's that. Yes. Boom. But that's not in her. She it's she, not in her. We need her to have more Robin L. Baylor moments. Yes. <laughs> we need her <laughs> to tell people. Yeah. So that was the one thing that I was like, if I didn't know anything about her, like, would I even come away from this knowing like what were some of her popular songs? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. From your perspective, like what was there something that you were expecting that didn't happen? I don't know how to say this without sounding angry, but <laughs> I'm angry that she didn't, she didn't call people out on their BS. Uh, mm. And it's not just the Super Bowl situation, but I felt like she should have said, Okay, this is what happened with the Super Bowl. I told Justin, which I'm still I'm pissed off about her telling Justin, don't say nothing. Because I think women too many times, they will take the hit or the for a guy. Mm -hmm. And you a man. He could have took that hit. Justin was making a lot of money for a lot of white men. He could have took that hit and been fine. Trust me. But after that, it jumps. For some reason, we jump from Super Bowl, don't tell Justin nothing. And then we don't really go into, there was like a quick snippet of her 
in the studio trying to finish up, you know, the album that was coming out. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Me to Joe, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, we go into talking about Jermaine. I wanted her to really dive deep about that. Yeah, I come in at number two, but I'm blacked out on the major networks that play music videos. And I wanted her to also talk about how she was treated when she written followed Jermaine to Def Jam. Like, <laughs> tell me, like, but I know deep down inside, Jana wanted to say, I was depending on Jermaine to bring me some hits and the motherfucker didn't show up with him. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language. Like, that's the part of part four, that that last hour that I wanted to see. But all I got was, oh, I got cheated on. No, Janet, let the people know. They gave you pure D hell. Yeah. And you still somehow managed to sell some units, but it wasn't the units that you were used to because you couldn't get no play. They treated you like you had committed a felony. But that's what to me was felt was missing. And I, like I said, I may be wrong and I don't want to come off angry, but I really wanted her to open that table up and say, no, let me tell you all what y'all really did to me. Okay. So you are absolutely right. So I need you to hold in your heart, your point about Jermaine Dupri, because I want to come back to it after mm-hmm. I talk a little about JT. I'm not going to spend too much time on Justin Timbersnake because, mm-hmm. you know, I I do want to say this, you you know, that shoehorned in selfie, Mm -hmm. self tape of her her iPhone, that little video of of her saying that, you know, it's all in the past. And Justin and I are good friends. We just talked a couple days ago. Number one, I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that she has put it in the past. And I'm so thankful for that because I'm sure that that was heavy and that was a lot to carry. And that was a lot of embarrassment to carry. But also it could be a lot of anger to carry. Like if you really believe that this person had harmed you, a lot of people just say like, I would rather just let it go than eat me up inside. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a choice that she's made. And I'm glad that she's come to a place where that isn't causing her undue pain. Mm -hmm. So her saying, you know, it's in the past. Justin and I are good friends, like happy for you, but they don't have nothing to do with me. Cause as for me in my house, we still, it's, it's no Justin all the time because if Justin was just a jerk to Janet Jackson, <laughs> then maybe Janet Jackson saying y'all forgive Justin and move on would change how I feel about it. But Justin been a jerk to everyone he's crossed paths with. Mm-hmm. He's just a jerk. Mm-hmm. And so just because just you, a jerk. Yeah. I'm gonna call him just a jerk now. So if it, that is appropriate. So like I'm glad that she feels like she no longer has to carry that burden and that's exactly as it should be. So I agree with you 100% that we would have liked a little better explanation of mm-hmm. the Super Bowl and what went down and I don't think she cleared anything up, not even one thing. Mm-mm. Like you it was almost as if you didn't even need to bother. Because nothing is any clearer than before we watched the documentary, especially for people who were in doubt or who Mm -hmm. didn't understand. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us ever believed that she did it on purpose. Maybe some of us did. But even if we did believe she did it on purpose, no, I don't think any fan believes she deserved the treatment she received um, for having her booby on TV. Right. Which we really Um, didn't see. I mean, nobody saw. Nobody saw. And, you know, Wayne talks, he, you know, he talks about how the fact that the Super Bowl was actually performed twice. Like you have a tape Mm 
so that if you need to cut for any reason, you can cue the tape and go directly to the previously recorded performance. Obviously, they were at the end of the performance, so you wouldn't necessarily have to even do that. You could have just cut to black if that was a major thing. Like he he also said that even though it's it was not publicized, like the Super Bowl was already on the tape delay. Like, you know, after this whole big thing, everybody started hearing about tape delay, tape delay. He's like, there was already a five second delay. So mm-hmm. like when it happened, they could have cut and it mm-hmm. never had to go to the air, but it did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so a lot of things went wrong for that moment to be that moment. And then a lot of things were intentionally like targeted. There were groups who targeted Janet Jackson mostly because she's a black woman and she was an easy target. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the press was eager, eager to have a Jackson in their grasp that they could tear at and claw at because, mm-hmm. you know, at this time, Michael was also on trial fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. And um, now they've got, we've got another one. We, we can really tear down, you know, this black family that has been on this pedestal for so long. Like we could end them. Like, I feel like <laughs> that's how the press was feeling at that mm-hmm. moment. Like we already got Michael in the chokehold. We can end them. And mm-hmm. so a lot of things happen. And I know that caused her a lot of pain. And I do feel like if she was going to talk about it, that there were some opportunities to clear some things up. And I just don't know that we did. But again, I don't think that was for us. I think that was for her. Like, I love this documentary. Like, I know I'm saying some things that are critical, but when I say I'm trying to buy every copy, like I'm trying to buy the Australian version. I'm trying to buy the UK version. I'm trying to buy the US version. Like, I want it all. Now, it was it me or did we just skip over the last husband? Oh man. Like she had like he don't exist at all. Like like she gave birth by herself. Like Jesus named after Jesus. We just gonna pretend it was the immaculate conception. <laughs> Girl. I don't know if it's because she don't wanna take no chance going to court with him, or because you know, rumored about the baby, like she got what five hundred million or something from the divorce, all that stuff. But Jenna was like out of sight out of mind we're gonna keep this moving really kept it moving like he did not exist and mm-hmm. I, again her prerogative because all we missed was Reby saying one more time next thing I knew she was married <laughs> by the time I met the man she was married but I'll tell you who else does good commentary Tito because every time Tito talked he just smiled Tito like I really want to drink a beer with Tito and just talk. Tito was excellent and also Tito gave me a very strong vibe that Anybody that wronged Janet can still catch these Tito hands. Yes. And Papa T is still in good shape. Don't yes. Don't let the age fool you. I was like, yeah, I don't know if Justin is aware, but he should probably not be on the same block as Tito Jackson. <laughs> and that's the thing. She's asking us to move on. And I'm saying to myself, baby, you, you, J- Janet, my dislike for Justin is off because of you is like 15%. I'm still <laughs> mad at him about what he did with Prince. You don't battle Prince. With Prince. <laughs> not only what he did to Prince, but you know, the Super Bowl was a culmination because not only did you have negative things to say about Prince, but obviously Prince did not care for you. But then you go to the Super Bowl in his hometown and try to play homage to Prince by doing the one thing he asked you never to do, which was like do a performance with his dead body. Yes. Let me calm myself down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you told me to pause about JD. So what about JD? Come on. Because he was getting killed on Twitter, by the way. Oh, he was. And, you know, I don't know if that was I don't know if that was a revelation. Like, I think we all knew it, but we never heard the words, maybe. But I think a lot of casual fans just did not. I think there are a lot of Janet Jackson fans, like super fans who are kind of like, I think 
I don't even put us in the topest tier of fans because mm-hmm. I know there are people who like really are keeping up with stuff and know way more than we know about yes. the life and times of Janet mm-hmm. Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm a studious fan mm-hmm. of Janet Jackson, but there are people who know way more than me. But there are also some very serious fans who know way less than us. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of these things were uh, revelations for some of them. But the one thing I will say about him is we had 60% more Jermaine than I needed. But the way she told the story, like she, she reiterated so many times that Jermaine was just a good guy. He's such a good guy with a good heart. But every action or activity she described about him, I was like, those are not descriptions of a good guy. Like, <laughs> like he don't spend no time with me. He always in the club. I, you know, I told him what I needed, but I can't get it. He's cheating on me. Like, babes. When Jermaine's portion came on, I became increasingly concerned because I was like, she looks like a woman who may not have learned her lesson. That could be something she tries again. Mm -hmm. But also I was like, just in general, I don't know if my good sis could recognize like a healthy relationship. She can't. (laughs) You ain't want to pause and think about it. (laughs) Because, and that's one thing I did get from this documentary is me and Janet both can't pick them. Like... And I I think what it is, is she genuinely wants to see the good in people and she will see the good to the exclusion of the bad. If it's at all possible, she will do that. She will give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's a great trait, but it does make relationships hard. Um, You know, I've been reading a lot of these self-love, self-help things. You want to call it empath people? Welcome, mm -hmm. Janet. We Mm -hmm. Come on, baby. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And it's tough when you're a cancer, too, because I'm, I'm telling you, because we pick up on energy quick. Absolutely. And so and you if, have to make a choice. To ask. Yes. And yes. See, that's where you and I are different, because yes. I'll be like, you, mm. you have mastered, you have mastered detachment. Very good. That's where you and I are different, like, because we both read the situation the same. And then I'm like, girl, why are you still here? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You like, man, we should have left an hour ago. <laughs> You know what uh, your favorite line has always been growing up? I'm not going to beg you. <laughs> this is the truth. This is the truth. <laughs> um, yeah. But the other thing that was interesting is how we just skipped over Q-Tip. When he was there, I thought that he was going to talk about their relationship too. And he did not. Mm. And I was like, he already there. Why y'all didn't ask him? He didn't play a significant role. In, Apparently. In the- I, like, mm. I don't know what he thinks, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say one more thing that I think was a surprise. I don't think I really knew it. I always have feelings about Renee and some are good and some Mm -hmm. are not good. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that I had gotten completely wrong was like, I didn't peg him to be the one make her feel bad about how she looks or her image or anything like that. Like that hurt my heart for her because if you read like, this is so random, but like Richard Branson has an autobiography, which is fantastic. It's about him starting Virgin Records. And there's an entire chapter dedicated to how he tried to win Janet Jack. He talks about the balloon ride and how he was trying to really win her over. But one of the things he says a couple of times, his thing is when he goes into a room to negotiate, he tries to figure out who has the power. And so mm-hmm. when he came into the room and she was there with Renee and like, he's like, well, certainly someone is the yes person. Like someone is the person who will give the ultimate yes. And he said when he was with them, he could never figure it out. He said it seemed like the equalist, you know, most 50-50, most egalitarian partnership. So just like 
to learn how that unraveled. And you never know what people's intentions were because, you know, I, I remember after the divorce and she never really talked about Renee, but she would say things like, you know, she questioned if she had ever really been loved, mm-hmm. if they were in love with her or the idea of her. You know, that broke my heart because I did believe that there was a point where they were magic together. And mm-hmm. then, you know, drugs do things. And so, so that hurt my feelings. I didn't want him to be a part of her body issues. And also it was kind of the springboard. Her, It's always like she finds whoever the next person is, is just like whatever the most annoying feature of the previous person. As long as the next person doesn't have that, it doesn't matter what they have. <laughs> but that's why I wasn't surprised when she mentioned that about Renee, because I remember in an interview with, um, I want to say with Larry King, or maybe- You talked about Jermaine Dupree. Yeah, and she said that he was mm-hmm. the first one that said that her, like, told her to embrace her booty and her body. And stuff. I love your curves. I was yeah. like, Lord, so that was the one thing that he offered and you overlooked everything else? You're like, ma'am, please, we love you it so happened. much. We, we don't happened. want this for you. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it happened so much. It's probably a whole bunch of women that was like, I, I can relate with Janet on that. I just gradually trying to get better and better with these mates until it's I, the truth. Yeah. You don't want me to give relationship advice. Um, so let's talk about some of the reviews. There was a couple of reviews that I really felt like was, was on point. One being from Rolling Stone magazine, January 28, 2022 by Brittany Spendles. Um, And I quote, even with all the hours of detail, Janet Jackson still feels an arm length away. We're getting her story, but we're not getting any closer to the mystery of who she is or how she felt navigating a complicated life as one of the most famous stars in music history. The product is as well produced as any one of her albums and carefully manicured look at a pop icon who is saving the real soul searching for somewhere off camera. And there are points where in this documentary, I felt like, bring me more in closer to you, Janet. And I don't know if it's legal reasons or if there's something down the line that she's working on. But it was like she gave us enough to say, this is me. This is the truth. This is what you need to know versus I'm just going to rip this Band-Aid off. That's Mm -hmm. the best way I can put it. Yeah. You know, I think that this was her version of ripping the Band-Aid off, though, because when you think about how private she has been her whole life. Mm-hmm. this probably she probably felt like she was naked in Times square yeah. because because and i totally get it like i read some of the other reviews and most of them were exactly this like they were exactly that same sentiment of you know we watched this thing for four hours but we don't feel like we know her that much better mm-hmm. i was like there is something very telling in that like even in the way that it was produced in the way that she was interviewed it was also very telling this, this, I was like in those like confessional sections where like the director was asking her direct questions and she was answering. Mm-hmm. Why mama have on a hat and a scarf and a coat? Y'all couldn't get the legend of space heater. Girl, she was cold. Like, what is this? Why do you look so uncomfortable? <laughs> if that was Aretha Franklin, they would have had it right. <laughs> Why do you look so uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that was just like she looked uncomfortable because she was uncomfortable. 
Right. But I think she had to put her story out because you don't want nobody else telling your story. And the way people be casting these movies now, you don't know who you lied but get. Shoot, you, you know might... what? <laughs> you that know. is an excellent point. She might have just been trying to get ahead of the biopic. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> think about it. Whitney Houston died in what, 2013 or something like that? And there's been like four biopics. And honestly, I'm just to the point to where I don't know no more about Whitney Houston right now. Let her marinate for a minute. Like I, I could, I don't watched every documentary they put out about Whitney. Yeah, but I'm I would, tired. I will watch six more. No, uh, I just found her fascinating. But I hear what you're saying, and I didn't like any of the movies. Like I, I aside from I will watch that new edition movie if it comes on. I will watch it, and you know I'm gonna watch Jackson's American Dream and the Temptations movie. Yes. But in general, I would prefer a documentary to like a narrative take on a real person's life. Right. I don't want no more BT or any other networks doing movies. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. So like I know a lot of people still would like to see a Janet biopic and I'm, you know, if that's what she chooses to do, I'm going to watch it. Why would I not watch anything with Janet Jackson? But yeah. it's not a thing I need. Mm-mm. I'm good with this. I'm good with this. And if she decided she wants to do parts six, seven, eight, I'm all for it. I will watch that too. Right. <laughs> I'll watch as many portions of this documentary. If she was doing installments in 2071, I will watch it. Uh so I really, really, I really, really enjoyed it. Like despite all of the all of the takes and criticisms and things we missed or things we lacked, um, I really enjoyed it. And in fact, I, I wanna uh share the New York Times um review because there's a part where they mention that. Um, so he, the title again is similar to all the others in the new documentary, Janet Jackson is hiding in plain sight by John Karamanika or Karamanika. Mm-hmm. I probably ruined that. I'm sorry, John, you know who you are. Mm-hmm. January 31st, 2022. Um, he talks about throughout her two decade plus heyday, Janet Jackson has an astonishingly modern superstar, a risk taker with a distinctive voice, a vivid sense of self presentation and an innate understanding of the scale of the labor required to make world shaking music she Mm -hmm. was the embodiment of authority and command practically unrivaled in her day and studiously copied by her later by later generations but throughout janet jackson the four-hour documentary that premiered over two nights on lifetime and a and e the highs and lows of janet's career are often presented as a kind of collateral asset or damage it's churlish to linger that's a great word. It's churlish mm-hmm. to linger over what's not covered here. But given that official documentaries can tend toward the hagiographic, hey, there's perilously little analysis or appreciation of Jackson's music or videos, just assertions of their greatness. The one exception is Questlove, who discusses advocating for her election to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But let me just say this, and I might be wrong, and he might, if he listens to the podcast, nothing but love. But do you feel like they're giving Quest Love too much, too much credit for her being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? <laughs> why are you trying to? Why are you, why are you doing? I this just, to me? I'm just saying. I just feel like I don't know what the answer to that is. I do think that he played a pivotal role, and I do think that it probably wouldn't have happened if not for him. Because you really have to have an advocate on the inside. But that said, that says a lot about. The industry, if one person can have that be the gate, can uh-huh. say yes or no. Uh-huh. To me, that says more about the industry than it does about Questlove. And I think that that's where the interrogation should be. 
And I do think that we, we undermine the years of hard work of the fans, you know, the endogenic campaign mm-hmm. led by fans. Mm-hmm. Mike Litherfield mm-hmm. led a campaign for many years and many folks on social media have mm-hmm. raised the flag and just called out the injustices done upon Janet in her career. And, and so the answer to that is, it's a little yes. frustrating that that's what's mentioned all the time. What's it going to say? Yes. <laughs> it's a little frustrating that, you know, whenever we hear Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's like, once again, it's like, let's celebrate this man for making sure this little lady finally gets the recognition she deserves right that's almost become the story more so than why wasn't she in there right and the reason why i bring that up is because on jimmy fallon he made this like put this big spotlight yeah quest like i understand quest spoke up and he was very public about it but when i think of who really pushed for her to get into the rock and roll hall of fame fame I think about the fans on social media and the end up Janet, you know, Mike now. Like, don't, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I went too far. That I mean, we, we didn't get enough of a vote. Like, all of the fans together, like, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does this huge campaign where they act like the fans get to say or whatever. But the fans votes, all of the fans votes together go on one vote. Yeah. One ballot, right? So it's really yeah. about the voting members of the hall. And them advocating for one another. And that's yeah. why I was not the white man in there because yeah. they were advocating for one another. And Questlove did get in there and advocate for Janet. But again, I just want for us to ask the question, why was a Questlove required? Right. Why wasn't her merit enough? Yeah. It's the ratings. We have to say that 15 million. 15 million. 15 million you know, as of two days ago, who knows yes. how high it is now? A record mm. by every span, um, number one in the number one spot for that Friday night time slot. And so after the documentary aired, mm-hmm. iTunes was popping. Like Janet mm-hmm. Jackson was dominating. We had Control, Design of the Decade, Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope actually entered the charts twice. We were trying to figure out how was it there twice, but we imagine that it's probably two different editions, like maybe a special yeah. edition. Yeah. Janet Jackson number one's on the charts. So Control was number one on the pop charts and the main chart for a while. Mm-hmm. Design of a Decade was number two. Velvet Rope five. N- <laughs> the number one's six. Unbreakable was at eight. Demita Joe at 10. All for You at 12. Discipline at 17. 20 YO. <laughs> who knew? 18. <laughs> Janet Jackson. Did you say who, who knew? <laughs> Janet Jackson, 28, Dream Street, 81. Well, 81. Listen, the control remixes, I actually had to take to the streets because the control remixes at number eight is unacceptable. Okay. <laughs> it was at number 98 and it's unacceptable, people. iTunes top 100 pop charts. Is that, listen, I understand all these albums <laughs> are decades old. Yes. But I think y'all tripping on the control remixes album is elite. It is elite. And if you don't have it, this is what you need to be buying. I'm a sharer and I want people to experience the joy that I experience every time I hear that cool summer mix, number one and number two. So go get the Control Remixes album. I mean, you could buy your 14th copy of Rhythm Nation. I'm sure she would appreciate that. But what I'm trying to do is add value to your life. Go get that Control Remixes out. Message. I'm telling you, it's so good. 
And this is a good time to mention. So on last night, I had the pleasure of going to the uh, studio sessions, Christian Hands. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying his name right, that he does on IG. And on Wednesdays, he usually does he usually does Michael Jackson, but yesterday, and sometimes he does Janet, but usually it's more Michael. Yesterday, he did Janet Jackson's When I Think of You, and Lord have mercy, it was so good. He takes all of the stems from every song, and he, like, introduces them and puts them together one at a time. So, like, I'm talking, like, we start with just a kick drum, and then eventually we get a snare. Then eventually we get cymbals and hi-hats. Well, you know, Jimmy and Terry have so many tracks of drums. Mm -hmm. We were an hour into this thing, and we hadn't gotten to any vocals. And let me tell you, by the time we got to the vocals, I was like, man, this has been so good. I forgot there were words. Like it was, <laughs> it was so good. But I'm telling you all of that because he played some of the stems that didn't actually make the original, but they did end up on the remix album. So <laughs> this is your opportunity to hear the full genius of Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and Janet Jackson. And also it was so fun because part of one of the stems he played was terry's doubling of janet so he sings the verses and the choruses with her and but he was he was just playing terry by himself mm-hmm. so fun so good Man. so good i i sat in on him doing michael jackson beat it and i've never heard beat it the same way again you don't like, you won't his handle is the session ig live all all one obviously the session ig live what else? We talked about the record sales. We talked about the 15 million plus viewers mm-hmm. tuned in. That's like amazing. Like, think about that for a second. Like, I shared on IG, you know, with her having, you know, 15 albums on the top 100 pop chart for iTunes, which is crazy, having mm-hmm. not released even a single since 2018 and an album since 2015. And we are in 2022 and you've mm-hmm. got 15 entries on the top 100 pop chart. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the number one documentary, 15 million viewers and still counting. Mm-hmm. I would like to say again, for the record, Jenna Jackson does not need exposure. So we can chill on the, she ought to do the Super Bowl again. She, she ought to go on. Uh, what's that nonsense with? What's his face? Ooh. Versus. Oh, versus. Right. Yeah. yeah. She we can chill. We can chill. She's beyond that. Like, why was she going that right? Have you all watched the verses? Like, have you seen one with your eyes? Like four or five times you got to restart IG because it drops out or somebody's <laughs> mic is dead or somebody. <laughs> oh, they bump, get to fight. Bump the camera. They fighting. It's too many people on the stage. It's it's not great. There's no place for a legend. Jenna Jackson doesn't need, she doesn't need exposure from these mediocre platforms. If Ooh. folks choose to do it, that's their choice. And I'm happy that it works out for them. Even I tried to tune into the Stephanie Mills one and Stephanie Mills was fantastic. We know Shaka Khan had her challenges, but we still love Shaka Khan. That's our girl. Um, but the tech was still glitchy and terrible. It's not befitting a legend. Nope. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we can all chill. Okay. So what is next? You know, coming into this documentary, everyone had hopes, dreams, wishes about what we would get with the documentary or after the documentary. Based on how Janet concluded the documentary, what do you think is next? Well, I thought we was gonna get some uh, get a single, but obviously something 
went wrong. But I do hope she does drop the new music, give us Black Diamond, because she did go into there. And to me, it kind of hinted like Black Diamond might be the last one. Did you catch on to that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I if it's that. the last one, I need to, I guess I'm going to have to pay reseller price to, to, to get to the get Mr. Ticket. But I really think now is the time for her to team up with the one director I think I know can pull it off. And I know it's a page out of Michael's book. But now that she knows that if she drops it, people will come for sure. Now it's time to break down her her era like they did Michael's, where Spike took each era from bad um, and off the wall. Maybe take all the behind the scenes footage and break down each era. So, for instance, Control, Rhythm Nation, Janet, Velvet Rope. And just really make another documentary. I mean, 15 million views for a two night. That lets you know that there's an audience out there that wants to hear and see more of Janet. And look, she'll be good. And I'll be satisfied as a as a fan. I am with you. I think that, you know, she did play that little clip of the song that she called Love I Love at the end of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all led astray. Because yeah. even Lifetime tweeted that, you know, stay tuned for a new song by Janet Jackson, but they didn't say new single. And I think we all interpreted single and it was like, no, you just going to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get to buy it. <laughs> no. So I do, I kind of was expecting some sort of announcement about a single or anything, but then I was like, this is Janet Jackson. She do things on her own time. And whether mm-hmm. I agree with it or not, we just got to roll with it. I know that it has been very frustrating for, for members of the Jam fam because it feels like we've been promised Black Diamond for, I don't know, what is it, three years, four years? And then, mm-hmm. we, you know, uh, we we were promised the EP for after Made For Now came out and, you know, nothing mm-hmm. happened with that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that it, it is getting to be a little frustrating, even for me, but I will say this. I've always said she doesn't owe us anything, but I do feel like she's wrapping it up. Like, I feel like, and I started to feel this way when I first heard about that auction. You know, I've been on this, I've been stressed since the auction. Mm, like, yeah. why is she doing this now? And uh, it State of the World Tour, I actually thought was going to be it. I thought that was going to be it. And then when she came back and she did State of the World Tour, I was surprised. And when she put, you know, tickets on sale for Black Diamond, which was ultimately canceled, I was very surprised. So for me right now, like anything she gives us above and beyond this, like any any appearance of Janet Jackson beyond this is like bonus. Like I feel like we in overtime now. Mm-hmm. This The game is really good. We're, is it, it, we just want it to go on forever because it's so good. It's not going to go on forever. And so we just need to enjoy these extra minutes that she's given us and take what she gives us. I do feel like this is a missed opportunity to release a single or something. I thought that something would follow it just because from a marketing perspective, it seemed to make sense. Mm-hmm. But again, we know that she can build her own path and build her own lane. Um, and, and we should talk about that in future podcasts. We should talk a little bit more about like what the... the future might hold with you know it seems like there's been some reorganization on uh the management side and and just uh, structurally um for the record company so interesting times but i do feel like she has reached a point where she's very content and i do feel like she has always worked because that's what she has known and that's was like the most prominent role in her life and that's what she was the best at 
And now I feel like she has a new most prominent role and that's being a mom. And that's what she feels like she's the best at. And so if she feels like now is the time to walk away, like it really feels like, you know, she's going to climb out of the gilded cage and live her life. Then I ain't never going to be mad at that. For sure. That is it for us for now. If you need more Janet Jackson, which we know you need more Janet Jackson, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're already a subscriber, please tell a Janet Jackson fan about us and leave us a rating or review whenever you're listening. Your comments and ratings help other people find us, especially on iTunes. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Janet Jackson Pod. If you are following, thank you for every like and every single retweet, especially on episode releases. Those are simple things you can do and they go a long way to help us reach new Janet Jackson fans. Our intro and outro music, Good For You, is provided by THBD and is licensed under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. Thanks for listening to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever. I do, one more thing about the um, IG bit. I think I finally cracked it. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be a long way to get there, but like- Do you, there's a commercial for almond milk and this black guy is talking about all the things you can do with milk. Like, can you eat it on your cereal? Yes. Can you eat it in your pool? Yes. Can you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, one, at the end of the commercial, he says, we solved milk. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So but <laughs> that's what I say to myself anytime I like having a high moment or if I figure out a particularly vexing problem, I literally say to myself, we solved milk. Okay. <laughs> so hang on to that. Let's put a pin in that. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, right around the time where the documentary was first airing, Alicia Keys takes to IG to encourage folks to tune in to Janet Jackson's documentary. However, she decided to resurrect an article from 2008 to do so. So she makes a post that basically says, I always knew I was Bay, but when Janet Jackson says it, and then she has the like fireworks emojis, right? And so the article that she is referencing in it, an e-online reporter asked that if Janet Jackson were ever to have a lesbian relationship, who would, with whom would she have it? And um, Janet says she would pick Alicia Keys. And she said this again, I just want to point out in April, of 2008 <laughs> and, and for those of you in the future who are listening currently it is 2022 <laughs> she's been holding on to that for dear life <laughs> all the time she could have tweeted that right exactly <laughs> so when i saw this post you know i said to myself we saw milk swiss beats has been a complete ass to janet jackson saying that she doesn't have <laughs> the records to do a versus saying that you know she she doesn't there isn't anyone she can compete with see you know missy elliott will wash her and all the other nonsensical things he said and i now i'm like oh we, we saw milk, milk. <laughs> and you know what's so bad it took you a minute to get there but everybody on twitter was like we saw milk because they were letting alicia have it and I said to myself, Alicia, 
If you going to jump out that boat, you should have jumped out that boat 14 years ago. Because <laughs> my black butt would have been like, baby, I ain't coming home. Janet said, queen. And she said my name. You see my name right here? Right. That, that's me. I got to, I got to, I got to go. <laughs> yes, listen. And I get it, yo. Like, Swiss is trying to keep Janet as far away from his woman as possible. Bro, you could have just said that. We would respect that. Like, you don't got to be out here looking stupid. But let's just be, uh, I'm going to be honest. I've always suspected Alicia King. But anyway, her personality just make you go, nah, dog. I'm going to pass. She like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's read. But he is a little insecure. Janet had him scared. Had him scared. 